<laughs> July 4th, 2015. That's today. Yes, let's go have some sex. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horror Cast. This is the Creative Town Podcast, brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com. I'm Jack, and sitting across from me is Jake, but in cyberspace. Jack, you're so much smaller than I remember. <laughs> and sitting next to Jake, it's someone else who's loose but not slurring. It's Mark. Huh, yeah, it's true. Surprisingly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For those of you unfamiliar with our Crackerjack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. This week, we watched... 2017's Gerald's Game, which was a Jake pick. Uh, Jake, thank you for that pick, and we'll dive all the way into that You're real welcome. soon. And when we do, fair warning, we're going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of it, and by extension, we're also going to spoil the absolute nonsense out of the book upon which this is based, of the same title. Uh, Fantasy point. <laughs> yeah, this is. I, I picked this for you, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, like last week, I'm going to tell you here that while we would ordinarily appreciate Patreon support, now is the time to take care of yourselves, take care of your families, and if you have some spare cash lying around, toss it somewhere worthy like Feeding America or one of those funds that's like helping service industry people get paid during this time. But hey, now let's dive into our own little brand of escapism and talk some horror. So on that score, let's do beers for fears. Hey, Jake. Hi, Jack. What are your beers for the movie Gerald's Game for these fears? Yeah, keeping the uh, for as long as we have to do this, I'm going to keep supporting these local craft breweries that are here in Boise, Idaho. I went down and uh, picked up some curbside to-go beer from Barbarian Brewing in Boise today. They have a brand new pale ale called Puppers, and I picked that for one particular reason, and there's a hell of a dog in this movie. Hell of a dog. <laughs> there sure is. This, is, this goes out to you, Puppers. Quite a wild mongrel. Yeah. Um, well, I'll go next here, and I myself am drinking a degloving lager which isn't a real thing, but I wish it was. I am drinking Rainier. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking a Rainier, and I got some John Jameson here as well, because much like the protagonist in this movie, I am working with the things in my immediate reach. I couldn't stray too far out to find new resources, to find other beers, so I had to grab what was on hand and make (laughs) do with it. Um, I didn't have any other beers in the house presently, and the local brewery stopped doing deliveries recently, so I figured it's not essential to go out and get beer for this. I'm working with what I got. Like the Gerald's Game woman, I got Rainier and John Jameson. Mark, what are your views for these years? I got two, actually. Of course uh, you do. One of them? Yeah, well, you know, that's me. Uh, one of them, sticking with the local theme, I'm drinking a Susset Out Rye IPA. Uh, this is made by Level Crossing. They're a relatively newer brewery here in uh, Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has to suss it out, right? This is a movie about problem solving and getting yourself out of a tough pickle, you know? Yeah. A dilly of a pickle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other beer I got, not as local, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm drinking a little something-something ale by Lagunitis. Lagunitas. <laughs> oh, God. The, you it. almost Perfect. had it Both right times. the second time. <laughs> uh, you know, she wouldn't be in that dilly of a pickle if it weren't for a little something-something, so... Okay. Well, that one is just terrible. The first one I kind of liked, but that second I one. I the first one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a movie that's based on something that happens during attempted intercourse. So, huh. Yeah. But you had there to go to the go. second beer for it, which I don't support anymore. We're off the two-beer yeah. train. You, you made it worse. You made your case worse with the second beer. I don't know why you guys are so down on the second beer. You know what? Especially the- when you guys have second beers. That I just happen to have mine are all on theme, and you guys just drink other stuff that's off theme. I almost drank a Love is Lies from Woodland Empire. Didn't do it this week. They were last week. 
that would have been good. Not their beer. Yeah, I decided to go with Puppers though. Hell, well, hell dog acting is off the. Ch- okay, we're not into that yet. <laughs> All right, but boys, drinking beers and watching the movie Gerald's Game isn't the only thing we've done over the course of the last week in the horror world. Because uh, look, we can't do much else. Um, so we might have also experienced some other shit in the horror world. Do either of you guys have any lost beers for fears uh, stuff that you got to pay up for here and can talk about? Crank that tune. Jack, I will. I don't know. Oh, hell that, yeah. that fell flat on its face. Mm, beer. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. What an idiot! You suck, you jackass. All right, Jake, what you got? Cult of Chucky. Um. I lost this one with Mark. Mark, have you watched this, or am I talking about it solo? You are talking week? about it solo. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay, cool. General, Jake. Be general. Yeah, don't spoil it for me, man. This is a story-rich film, I'm sure. So this was one of the options for the boy, and it, it was up against Dolls from now, You're not talking about a son, a previously undisclosed son you, you have. You're, you're talking about the movie The Boy <laughs> that we watched. The movie The Boy, Mark and I shared in a loss. We took the L. Yeah. Um, and ba- he, Mark created the poll. He put 1987's Dolls up against 2014's Annabelle, up against 2017's Cult of Chucky. Uh, okay. I watched it, and it's, it's a Chucky movie. I mean... What can I say? I'm not going to get spoilery here. It's not very good. I think the cool thing about this one, I haven't, I'm not really a child's play guy, but I don't know. There's some fun to it. And I've always liked Brad Dourif as Chucky. Like his style is just so funny. He has so much personality that I know it's, the child's play Chucky movies are way more of like a small appeal type thing than something like your nightmare nightmare on Elm streets. But he has a personality that is larger than life that I, while not on par with Freddie, it's pretty damn good. So that's here. Brad Dourif is playing voicing Chucky in this one still. And his daughter is the main character, which is cool. So, is, I, you know, is Jennifer Tilly in this one? Yeah, she's in this. Uh, she doesn't make. She's not on screen for very long, but she's in the movie. Oh, nice. Okay, it's, cool. It's a it's a Chucky romp. I mean, this one takes place inside of a, a hospital of sorts. I think I've seen this one. This, various, I think I saw this a couple of years ago. Uh, then that's like right around when it came out. Various Chucky's are like coming to life. The main Chucky is like bringing other Chucky dolls to life, and they're just wreaking havoc on these people. Yeah, this you know. one is, and it's kind of a considered a return to form for the Chucky series. They got like good effects on the Chucky dolls. I remember them looking pretty good. I have seen this movie. The effects are good. The effects are pretty damn good. I liked it. Yeah, it, it's, okay, cool. I, it's a Chucky movie. I mean, it's full of personality. It's just a specific type of personality and a specific type of violence, I suppose. So I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a decent background movie if you want something like that that you can look over and see some gratuitous violence or listen to something outrageously kind of morbid and grotesque and funny like it's fine where might yeah, our listeners be able to, to see full it. night's viewing uh i watched this i had to pay for this i think i rented this on amazon prime gotcha yeah so you can go there i'm not happy about lost bets movies that then i have to pay for so that's on the poll creator but you know <laughs> i took one for the team here well what are you gonna do uh, i don't have any i mean i got one i gotta pay up for but it was like a movie from the early 60s and i didn't feel like diving into a two-hour long movie from the 60s uh so i don't have any to talk about right now mark do you have anything else to talk about no the only one i owe right now is uh cult of chucky so oh that's q scat man scat man's world
All right, boys, I've got two regular Rocking Horror Worlds movies to talk about this week. Uh, Jake, you might not have anything else. Do you just want me to jump in here and, and jump you? in, buddy? Jump All in. Right. It's been a rough week. Yeah, now mine are kind of interesting here because both of them, I think people argue, are not are not horror. Um, and certainly both could be considered horror-ish. I consider them both gateway horror, and I think they are both Ooh. certainly horror Ooh. movies. The first one is Pan's Ooh. Labyrinth. Okay. Uh, watched this one because the lovely wife wanted, it was just like, got real drunk last Saturday night or something. It was like, you know what I want to watch tonight? Pan's Labyrinth. And I was like, hell yeah. It's not movie. often. <laughs> okay. Yeah, very weird drunk movie. Yeah. Uh, not often she suggests a horror movie to watch, so I always go along with it. We checked it out. Man, this movie still just absolutely rules. This movie is great. Um, I will say the yeah. effects do not hold up as well as I thought that they would and mm. remembered them being. Like, the practical's still great and looks yeah. fantastic, but there is uh, much more troubling CG than I remember there being. Interesting. Um, and huh. that doesn't look good. But the movie as a whole holds up. It's made me cry. I do not remember it making me cry the first time around. Uh, Jack, everything's making you cry more these days. <laughs> that's actually not true. Gro- but it's called growing up, dude. This one did make me cry. Yeah, um, fantastic goddamn movie. Uh, this was one that we just uh, watched on Netflix. So if you want to check it out and you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth somehow yet, go do Guillermo del Toro, right? Our, I mean, before The Shape of Water, probably his best known movie. I mean, Hellboy, too. Uh, yeah, and Hellboy. I couldn't remember if he did Hellboy 1 or not. He, he, did, he did, but he didn't have as much creative control over it is the gotcha. apocryphal tale. Yep. So that's why Hellboy uh, 2 is better. Yeah. And Hellboy it 2 is. is better. Yeah, much better. But, yeah, so, I mean, look, not not a whole lot to say about Pan's Labyrinth. The movie's great. It do, It is on Netflix, which is also pretty cool. So check that shit out. I think that one is pretty squarely horror, right? Although I have heard some stuff that it isn't a horror movie. Well, we should I, do a podcast on whether or not what classifies as horror and why it matters. But, uh, I mean... I, I would say that that one's horror. At least it had definitely has like that scene with the dude with the eyes in his hands or whatever the fuck he's called. <laughs> oh, yeah, the child eater? Fuck yeah. yeah. That dude is fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean, it's dark fantasy, and it crosses... It, it's so morbid uh, that I think that it qualifies. I Gateway horror is kind of a hot-button issue. Some people like really lash out to hear people say that, but I see what you're saying. I agree. Yeah, and, and it's great. Um, the ne- Then that spurred the next film that I wanted to watch, We because... It struck me as also I never noticed the influences on Del Toro from the movie Spirited Away by Miyazaki. Um, And when I was watching Pan's Labyrinth this time around, it became just abundantly clear, like how much he drew from and was inspired by Spirited Away. Uh, So we threw on Spirited Away, which is the animated Miyazaki movie from like 2001, 2002, something like that. Now, this one, because it's a Miyazaki movie, we had to buy it on Amazon. Well, we are, oh, we already like, owned it, but um, it is one that you have to like purchase. It's you can't just rent it, it anywhere. Um, have either of you guys seen this one? Yes. Yeah, it's been a minute, but I I went through the the Miyazaki catalog a while back. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. And Ooh. so this one, a lot like Pan's Labyrinth, is like a dark fantasy. Um, it's it's a lot more of the Japanese lore than it is like whatever Del Toro lore is pulling from uh, Spanish lore, but um, it's movies weird as all hell i think there are definite pronounced significant horror elements to it i don't know if overall it's necessarily a horror movie but it's got a lot of scary fucking shit going on in it and 
man, this movie's great. I still love this movie. It's weird as all hell, but this is fantastic. I Horror-ish. perpetually get this one confused with uh, Princess Mononoke. Is this is this is the one with the weird like cloaked figure with the white mask, right? Yes, no face. Okay. Yep. This this is the one where Sen sure. like her, she and her parents are moving to a new place. They like find an abandoned amusement park, and then her parents turn into pigs, and she finds herself yep. trapped in the spirit world and has okay. to get out. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, and man, it's got a lot of horror elements to it. Jake, I don't think you've seen this one. Is that right? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any Miyazaki. Shit, I love Miyazaki. I'm a I Miyazaki should probably guy try at some point. Yeah, this Miyazaki's like pretty good. Third yeah. favorite Miyazaki film, I think. So it's it's Jesus. up there. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's very <laughs> okay. very good. Um, but that's that's what we watch. It's kind of a, a string of of dark fantasy horror fantasy movies. That's what you're feeling right now. I, I guess. I mean, Hannah wanted to watch Pan's Labyrinth, and then that led me into Spirited Away, which she hadn't seen before. So yeah, it's what you're feeling right now. Yeah, I mean, it makes exactly. sense. It, yeah, it's it's light enough that you can watch it, but still technically relevant. Yeah, I will say that one, uh, the ending of Spirited Away, not to uh, spoil it, but it is a Miyazaki movie, and the ending is much happier. Sure. Okay. Then the ending That's of fine. Pan's Labyrinth. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Did you still cry, though? Uh, I always cry a little bit when the river spirit's dying. <laughs> It's not, that one's that, that's just but that's like latent from childhood so uh there's there's no it I doesn't mean, count I, I start crying to say if it I, doesn't count uh maybe I could start crying if I just think it about counts, that too dude. much Mark let's start talking about your movies so I don't start crying <laughs> uh okay yeah. I got two movies and I got two video games to talk about too Ooh. Uh, so I'm gonna start with the video games I um I started playing Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. This was one of the ones that I talked about initially um, in my horror New Year's resolution on the Omnibus. For those of you who were brave enough to get through that three-hour chunk of us drunkenly rambling at each other. Um, yeah, oof. So, rambling so this- is generous. Rambling is a generous <laughs> term. Uh, drunkenly grunting toward each other. <laughs> but this one was a... Uh, this was supposed to be, this was heralded as like a return to, not really return to form. I think I'm just saying that because you said that earlier about Cult of Chucky. This is just like, it, this is the first uh, first person view Resident Evil game. And they took it in a like wildly different direction where actually Resident Evil itself as a franchise had gone fucking nuts over the last few iterations. Um, this one was like, you're just alone in a swamp in Louisiana and you stumble across a mansion that is full of some creepy shit in it. Um, I really, really wanted to like this one. It's exceptionally well regarded. And I just, I, I, I think I've learned about myself that I just do not like survival horror games. This one in particular, your character moves so slowly and has like such a limited field of view, which yes, I know you can change the field of view, but it gives me a headache. Isn't that um, all Resident Evil games, though? Aren't they all, like, the the movement is impossible and through molasses? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tank controls most of the time, but this is a different, this is different because it's first person. Okay. And when um, you say survival horror, like, I tend to think of that as, like, crafting and building shelters. That's not this, right? That's not this. Uh, you're, you're accurate. I, I'm using it more generally just to mean, like, very scarce resources and enemies that are super hard to kill. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Um. And actually, in that way, there was there really only was one enemy in this game, as far as I got. So I ended up quitting after the second chapter. I just was not enjoying it, and it wasn't running particularly well. Um, mm. And I, I don't know. I can see what the charm was, and I liked the visual style of it. But there's a there the boss fight that I ended up getting to that I just stopped on was too frustrating because the controls are, you know, you're swinging a chainsaw around, and it's like 
you hit a guy five times and then nothing happens. And then right when you get the kill shot, your chainsaw runs out of gasoline and you have to like whack it a bunch of times and then he kills you. Like it, I don't know. I I didn't have fun in this game, so I am just going to, I'm going to let it be. Um, I did take it. I took, I took a shot at it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I'm counting that as a point for my new year's resolution. Anyways, if you're out there and you liked Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, uh, maybe maybe send us some messaging some way, however you want to reach out and contact us and tell us why I'm wrong. But uh, I wanted to like this a lot more than I did, and I, I think it's always kind of disappointing when you experience one of those things that's like supposed to be really cool, and then you just can't get into it. Fair enough. So, yeah. You gave it a shot. That, that was Resident Evil 7. Um, the other game that this is, I'm not going to go on a big tirade here on this one, but one of the other things I've been playing with my wife is Borderlands 3. The new DLC dropped for that, and it is um, Lovecraft-themed. Like, Hell very, yeah. very deep horror themed. It's not just, like, Lovecraft adjacent or whatever. Like, you're straight up fighting tentacle monsters, and, like, you're staying at the lodge that's owned by a guy named Mancubus, who's very clearly just a demon with a meat puppet. Um, the chests are, like creatures that you open that have teeth and then like blood spills out and then there's like guns and stuff everywhere whatever i love borderlands i'm a huge defender of that entire series so we're having a blast going through that dlc that's awesome mark now was it borderlands 2 that had a zombies dlc or like a witches dlc i remember playing that or maybe borderlands 1 even i remember borderlands 1 yeah borderlands 1 had um the zombie island of dr ned yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah it's kind of got a horror pedigree building up there yeah, they do them from time to time. They have like these, the other games have had like the Halloween events and the hunts and stuff. There's like a special hunt where you kill Pumpkinhead. Um, and they, they they go in places that are usually pretty fun. Borderlands 2 had one of the best DLCs I think of all time, which was the the, the uh, Dungeons & Dragons themed one, where you're oh, playing yeah. through a Dungeons & Dragons campaign with Tiny Tina as the DM. Anyways, we're getting off on the, a tangent now. I just wanted to throw that out there. Props to Borderlands 3. For, they dropped the DLC on Thursday, so we downloaded it. We've been playing it like all weekend. It's a, it's a blast. That is awesome. Now, Mark, for a person like myself that only played Borderlands 1, I assume Borderlands 3 is just better and more borderlandsy it's just like the same kind of style and and like yeah vibe. they just they just polish it up and added some more mechanics i i don't think i i think in general people prefer the vault hunters from borderlands one um but borderlands i mean whatever i i like borderlands three people think it's probably i would say in general people don't have it as the highest ranked one in the series but it is also the most polished and up-to-date one so whatever nice yep okay on to the movies i got two bangers to talk about Zombieland 2, Double Tap. I got this one as a Blu-ray in the mail via Netflix. Okay, Yay. pretty low ratings on this one. Well, are they really? Yeah, not great kinda, anyway. It, see, yeah, it came out, and then I didn't really hear much about it, and I know no. what that means. I would say it lived up to my expectations. I mean, I what had... Were your expectations? I Well, that's... I, okay, let me walk that back a little bit. I think I, it lived up to my realistic expectations, but it did not live up to my wildest hopes and dreams. Um, obviously, I think we all yeah. really loved Zombieland, number one. Zombieland, number two, is more of the same. It's very similar hu- humor. It's very similar style. Um, it's not really doing anything new here, but... I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice piece of light, humor-filled horror in the middle of a of a week that was, you know, it, we've all kind of had the same experience the last few weeks where it's just a nightmare every day. <laughs> yep. Mark, let um, me ask you this. Do they continue the unexplained thing of narration and, like, zombie kill of the week that had, serves no purpose and has no end? Yes, they do. They okay. do. Uh, and they do about the same amount of it as they do in the first one where it's, like, I don't know, three minutes. 
Like it's they, they just they randomly don't, thrown in. Yeah, they just randomly throw in the zombie kill of the year or whatever. Um, yeah, so they they ramp everything up from the first movie that had its like stylistic bent that sort of lent the the original its sort of sense of humor. Um, but I I would say I was worried about them going overboard and leaning too much and getting kind of lazy on that stuff, and I don't think they did. I it's a well put together movie. It is a worthy follow up to the original. I would recommend seeing it if you liked Zombieland one, but it's not like. It's not transcendent. It's not better than the first one. Sure. It's not following the Batman curve. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, lastly, I actually just finished watching this one uh, before we started recording. I watched Noroi the Curse on Shudder. Oh, topical. Is it topical or just because the tweet that happened? That's the topic. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a tweet asking for my opinion on Noroi the Curse. So you and had I had not seen it. it. Yeah. So I quickly watched it. What was the what was the question that was being posed about the movie? Uh, there was some. Let's see. I think somebody from Fangoria or one of those publications said it was one of the scariest, if not the scariest, found footage movies ever. Okay, so and, it was uh, a scary scale. It was on yeah. the scary scale. Okay, and our okay. friend John over at the Creepy Podcast, which you should also definitely go check out. He's like pumping out extra content during this time. It's fucking awesome. Good for him. But yeah, yeah he he wanted to get Mark as the uh, found footage guy's thoughts on on that particular point. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so this movie was super interesting in how it's put together. It's almost like, you guys remember how The Grudge is sort of an anthology movie where there's just a yes. bunch of different things that are all kind of center on the same yes. theme. This is actually built very similarly to that, where for the first, I don't know, three quarters of the movie, you're rapidly cutting between a bunch of different seemingly unrelated storylines that are just like weird paranormal things that are happening. And then like, you know, there's usually similar characters across them. And then maybe eventually there's like a call out in one that references something that happened in another or whatever. And eventually they do kind of all merge toward the same occurrence, the same ending. I thought this movie was a little too schizophrenic to be engaging. I appreciated the work that they put in to tie all of them together. I actually think they did a really good job in that way, but just the the actual conceit of the movie, the way it works, I it didn't it didn't resonate with me in the way that it, I like I I don't think my heart rate would have gotten above like 70 the entire movie. It was not I didn't consider this one to be a particularly creepy one. Uh yeah, so but did you uh even if it's not as scary as some people claim, did you enjoy the film? I did. Yeah, you asked me right when I was drinking beer. Um yeah, it I, like I said, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was engaging. Uh, there was just nothing... For whatever reason, the scares in it didn't work for me. It has a... In a strange way... So the, the, the whole thing, the whole found footage side of it is that there's this paranormal investigator who's, like, documenting his investigations as he's going through. Um, so, it, but beyond just, like, guy holding camera... It has a lot of this additional sort of Japanese TV production value to it. Like he's taking clips from um, talk shows and these like reality daytime interview shows and these other things. And maybe it's just, you know, this is two weeks in a row where I'm talking about like my Western culture exposure and I don't really watch a lot of Japanese TV. Uh, But those were the parts that I kind of thought were the most challenging for me to get into because like there's there's text on screen like everywhere. Uh, There's so many things that are happening and at least in the first third or so of the movie, like it's super hard to understand why you're being shown stuff. Interesting. Yeah. 
And, um, and is, is this like a tradition? Like, I, I don't know much about this movie other than it's called The Curse. Is this like a J-horror kind of curse movie? I mean, it is definitely J-horror. It's a Japanese movie. It's in Japanese subtitled. <laughs> but like, uh, I mean, you know what I mean in, in terms of like the supernatural aspect of it. Yeah, and I mean, it does, I well, I believe it lends heavily, or pulls heavily from Japanese lore. Uh, it's not the ghost in the well, but it's uh, kind of a similar story in that regard. Um, one thing, you know what's funny is it actually feels to me a lot like Ghost Watch, uh, which was kind of a similar conceit where it's a TV program that's being broadcast. Uh, Interesting. I liked Ghost Watch a hell of a lot more, and I think it came out actually roughly around the same time. I want to say that was, no, that was 92, wasn't it? That was like early nineties. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Way so never mind. This yeah. Noroi came from uh, two thousand five. So I'm just I'm yeah. off by a lot. But I would still say <laughs> Ghostwatch higher on my list than Noroi. But worth a watch from the found footage guy, right? Yeah, worth a watch. It's interesting. Know what you're getting into. It's a Japanese pseudo. This is as close to an anthology as you can get without actually being an anthology movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, um, so yes. Yeah, makes so, sense. So go in expecting to watch a movie that is very much like watching ADD. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, especially, yep. I mean, it's like Juon, so. A little bit, yeah, but that's the thing. Juon had whatever they it was, They kind of four, ran their five. course a little bit. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 in Juon, I like that movie a lot more, too, than this one as well, actually, because each of the individual segments had their time to develop, and they were contained. This is like... Literally every two minutes, you get it's a new a new news yeah. clip somewhere. Sure. So, yeah. okay, nice, Mark. You got anything else, or is that it? No, uh, that was on Shutter. I don't know if I said that or not. It's a you Shutter did. exclusive right now, so Thanks. gotta I'll see it there. Good work. Let's get onto the feature presentation, boys. I want. I'm excited to talk about this one. Yeah. <laughs> Over at ADCHorde.com this week, we watched 2017's Gerald's Game. Jake, you picked this movie. I sure did, Jack. Explain why. Well, I saw it when it first came out, and it kind of blew me away. I didn't really know what to expect. I'd like for us to get any book discussion out of the way as early as we can so we can focus on the movie itself. All I knew was that it was a Stephen King book that was adapted for screen. It was a Mike Flanagan movie, and it was on Netflix. So I was like, okay. Did Not you know the general conceit even? Like, uh, yeah, like yes. misery yes, I did. Yeah, okay. Yes. I knew I knew that there it was about a woman whose husband has a heart attack and she's trying to like survive. That's what I knew. Well, we we can get the book talk out of the way pretty much right up front here. Flanagan okay. might be the best person to adapt Stephen King's works ever. He's fucking fantastic at it. The 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 plot of the movie deviates almost zero from the plot of the book. There's some minor shit, but essentially they're they're the exact same plot. I like the movie a hell of a lot more than the book. So let's I'll just say all of that right now. Yeah, but, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I, anyway, it kind of blew me away. I didn't have high expectations, which always helps. Uh, but I I wanted to revisit it and see if I would be as impacted and impressed as I was the first time. So that's why I chose it. Nice, Mark. Had you seen you? I think you also then watched this, right? Yeah, I saw it when it came out on Netflix. Um, I loved it immediately, and I I can't remember what order we all recommended or what what order we all watched it in. But I'm sure I gave it a heavy recommend at the time. Spoiler yeah, this for this. this was a first viewing for me. I knew you guys both liked it, and I'd read the book, but I hadn't seen I did the not film. Know that? Yeah, I hadn't seen it yet. 
Okay, I'm glad we had first viewing. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Absolutely. Uh, before we before we get to the 30 second plot synopsis, um, can you just expand on why you like the book more than the movie? Or the sorry, movie more. The, the movie more than the book? Yeah. So I mean, I do not think this is like one of Stephen King's stronger books. The book is a lot more plotting, and I guess we're we're deep in spoilers already. The my least favorite part of the movie is the ending, right? That the serial killer was actually real. And that is played up a lot more in the book. And it also just like, whereas I think misery works really, really well as a book that kind of slow plotting torture and torment, like her relatively rapid descent into madness wasn't as effectively as conveyed in the book um, as it was in the movie as Flanagan did. (laughs) And also uh, Stephen King did less of a good job cutting back and forth between the past and the present than Mike Flanagan did in the editing here. So it's funny how good Flanagan is at the wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. That dude can fucking edit the past and the present together. Like nobody's goddamn business. Okay, we're getting dangerously close to talking about the movie instead of the book, so we should probably uh, get into the 30-second plot synopsis. Hell yeah, Jake. 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. It's going to start when you start. Jenny and Gerald go to a lake house that I think, I think they own in southern Alabama to have some hanky-panky try to save their marriage. Uh, they get there. He handcuffs her to the bed, starts going to town, and uh, she does not like it, brings back something from her past. He has a heart attack, dies right there in the room, and the rest of the movie is her trying to figure out how to get off and off of this bed where she's handcuffed and out. You get a lot of her past where she was sexually abused by her father, and... She's also being stalked by a real serial killer. She gets out of there. They rain this guy, and then she's like more time. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, you got not there. bad. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm out of breath, but thank you. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, I, I, I'm dying to talk about this movie. Let's talk about what in the fuck subgenres of horror this movie fits into. Psychological. Yep. Yep. Gonna get there. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an adult fears movie, too, for sure. Also kind of a tra- yeah. like yeah well yeah loss of innocence is i guess adult you're yeah okay i mean yes, a lot of the horror in this movie comes from how fucking skeevy the predatory behavior displayed by the dad is yeah that that yeah. that's the that's the adult fears part of it i thought you were trying to say that like adult fears because she's trying to escape a bed being being trapped on bed i'm like <laughs> i don't think that's really an adult fear but now i see what you're saying yes correct i struggle with that fear several mornings out of the week <laughs> Almost every morning these days. Uh, it's that's about it, guys. It's it's pretty cut and dry here. It's a house yeah. movie. Yeah, like because it's, it's it's too big budget to really be independent, even though it was produced no, by Netflix. No. Right? This is a Netflix original. I would not uh, call this independent. It's definitely not. But it didn't get a theatrical release, did it? That's correct. Yeah, this was yeah. before Netflix was doing that. Yeah. I mean, they're still not doing that for most of their movies, but the ones they think are good enough. Well, okay, I want to talk about this later, but is that why there was even no fucking discussion for Carla G- Gugino getting nominated for Best Actress of that year? Because holy shit. So, I would assume so, yeah, because I think this was the, wasn't was this the same year as Okja? I believe so, yes. was like the one that they were trying to push <laughs> to have allowed at Cannes and, um, you know, the various awards ceremonies. Okja! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Jack, I do have to cut in here and say that this was um Intrepid Pictures did this and they are their Wikipedia page lists them as an independent film and television production company. Hell yeah. Jesus so, Christ. We're not I labeling we'll, this as independent. I guess we'll no. allow it. I guess we'll allow it. 
Mark's um, the man with the keyboard, though. I mean, we have serial killer as a sub sub genre, I believe, or a sub genre, and this yeah, is yeah, kind right. of a serial killer movie. Kind. I of. was going to no. say that too. The, the serial killer aspect is like. It, it's lightly salted on top. Like, I was waiting for how that displayed that itself because, like, they shove it in at the last three minutes of the movie. They're like, "Also, oh, serial killer." Uh, yeah, and that's what this movie does right. Do we, do we want to just move right into that? <laughs> let's talk about what the movie does right. Yes, let's do it. Okay, can I? I just want to start on that because that is one of the things that I that stuck out to me originally when I watched this movie. If you watch ninety minutes of this movie, like you're like it's going to be a tight ninety. It ends almost exactly perfectly on the button with her like getting rescued, and you could just fade to black and go to credits um, when she's yep. found by her neighbors. That's at the 90-minute mark. Yep. They decide to include an additional 10 minutes of her recovering and dealing with her personal trauma and explaining that the Grim Reaper she saw was not death itself, but was, in fact, just another creepy dude in her life who was... I mean, yeah, it's sort of a bad... It, it's it's just a weird confluence of coincidences <laughs> that there's also just a fucking deformed serial killer wandering the woods of Louisiana and Alabama. She had but... a real bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but I thought that was incredible when they actually when it actually turned out to be a real dude. That was like one of the biggest things about this movie that stood out in my brain is like, oh yeah, the fucking Moonlight Man. That guy is creepy oh, as fuck. That's so interesting because I had that in hard what the movie does wrong. The I way they it. handle that, and in a movie that otherwise is so deftly handled and written and edited, then it's just like, now here's some narration about how it was just an actual serial killer in the house at the same time, I fucking mean, somehow. It's There is an eerie, I see He's both sides. I think I'm landing more on Mark's side. It, it's not something that I look back and would champion as like the best part of this movie or anything, but I think that the, the, the part that it left me with, mostly from the first viewing, because it was a surprise at the time, was that it's in a way eerier that she's going she's dealing with a lot of shit she's having these hallucinations and she's trying to make it through this survival situation so it's already harrowing enough and then you have this ethereal eerie character that's kind of looming in the corner which is a great kind of grim reaper type figure to be included in the movie but there's something that's more eerie when you look back on it and you're like, wait, she was actually in the same room with this guy and he's just lurking. Like, the fact that yeah, there was exactly. in the middle of nowhere this crazy, creepy fucking thing in the corner that there are these real monsters out there. I, 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 I like less how it was delivered and more how, <laughs> in concept, that's an interesting thing. It, it is, and I wonder if my distaste for it in the film doesn't come from the fact that it wasn't a surprise to me, right? There was no way that could have been a surprise You could not have been sure. surprised. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that it probably does. So I was one robbed thing, of that experience. One other thing that I love about it is, so they get at least two shots of the Moonlight Man that are bone-chilling. They're, they're so fucking creepy. Like, he's just invisible enough Yep. That you can like sort of make him out and he the the dude ac- actually does have acromegaly. Um mm-hmm. and it's actually the same dude from Doctor Sleep. The He's been he's been a guy. ton of things too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's been he's he stuff from with the Adams family. Now. Um but you, so this dude already has a very unique and sort of otherworldly look to him and you're seeing like barely just like the strangest outline. And then the thing that the ending does that I really like, and we've talked about this a little bit before and like Baskin and the void or whatever, it, the opposite of this really, but then they just show him in like full courtroom washed in light and you can see exactly what the dude looks like. Um, I just thought that was like this interesting 
way of having having both in there where it kind of would have seemed a little weird and lazy to only have him in there as this ephemeral grim reaper character and then not show what it was i don't know i appreciated the visual style in that way okay Mm. yeah no i i mean certainly he looks fucking great and terrifying at all points throughout this movie i i mean i fully agree with that yeah yep i want to talk about the acting i want to talk about the acting too i want to talk talk about about dog acting I this I mean the dog <laughs> acting in this movie was foremost pretty good. I don't think this is a seminal dog acting performance. It's pretty good. It's that pretty dog, good. That's hey, what I'm saying. It's pretty good. That dog that dog really has some personality, man. I mean, he at the start when she's trying to feed him that steak, it's you know, he's got personality. He has a whole arc. I I will say even though I knew the characters of this movie, I found it distressing that like my first thought when she put that beef out I was like that looks like a beautiful dry-aged cut of meat like what the fuck is she doing giving it to a dog and then when her fucking asshole husband came out and was like what are you doing i was like oh no i can't be identifying with this guy i know so i know what this guy's about let's get to the real thing though carlo gugino and uh bruce greenwood yes Mm -hmm. they share starring roles in this movie holy shit man they knock it out of the park their their chemistry is great and the their individual performances are unbelievable and Carla Gugino in particular, I mean, she has to be constantly disoriented, terrified, and, like, weak. And that can be, like, that is almost always overacted and comes across as disingenuous. But she nails it every fucking second. I would love to know how they shot the uh, the scenes where she's acting against herself, right? So we haven't yeah. really talked about this yet. The whole conceit is that almost immediately, as soon as Bruce Greenwood's character dies, what's his name? James? Ger- Johnny? Gerald? <laughs> Gerald's oh, game. Gerald. It's his game. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I love it. What movie are we watching? What movie are we talking Jimmy's about? game. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so as soon as Gerald goes down, old Jerry, J-Bones, uh, as soon as he goes down, she starts to hallucinate talking to his ghost, I guess. Yes, and yes. also then after a little while, she starts talking to herself as a astral projection as well and they're sort of like arguing about the best way to escape and what she can and can't do to get out all that stuff i want to know how they shot the scenes where she is acting against her astral projection of herself because one side of the conversation like you're saying is this like disoriented weak broken like trapped woman strapped to a bed and then the other side is this sort of like sardonic uh blasé I, I I don't know, uh, cynic, I guess, is the, sort of how she plays herself like, a little bit. Like you would be, like, if I was the embodiment of myself thinking about all the bad, stupid things I'd done, talking to yeah, myself exactly. about those. Yeah, yeah, talking shit to yourself. And, and that's just, I mean, they do a good job. She, interestingly, has good chemistry with herself. Um, but I, that, you know, just presents an interesting question of, like, you know, which one are you shooting first and what are you able to, like, act off of when you're having that when you're making that scene yeah yeah no it's pretty pretty fucking great and and i mean not to take away from greenwood's performance which is also fantastic it's just it doesn't like he doesn't have to do everything that gugino does yeah he doesn't have the he doesn't have the range but he he nails he nails it i i don't know what it really is because i haven't read the book but whatever it should be i think it's this that was 100 percent. yeah yeah. confusing sentence anyway i wanted to he's also he's also jacked I, that should be mentioned for for a dude that's what in his mid-60s or something like he looks great he, oh my god he looks so good <laughs> jesus <laughs> like people are talking about brad pitt taking off his shirt and once upon a time in hollywood how about fucking bruce greenwood jesus yeah. anyways good for that guy 
Yeah, I want to add one more thing here about the acting before we move on, because I kind of potted it here, but I, I'm not sure what your guys' take on this will be. This was an interesting one because I feel like, and this is probably <clears throat> has a lot to do with Mike Flanagan himself, but I could just close my eyes and listen to the audio performances of this movie as if it were an audio book, and it would have been tremendous. Like, it would have worked well, just in audio format. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely figure out what's going on. That's that's a good point. I think more so than other movies, because, like, you can listen to a movie and sort of figure out what's going on, but, like, for some reason, my brain was going while I was watching it this time to that place where I was like, this would work well. Like, I would just listen to this movie, and it would be great. Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, like, Weird unlike thought. other movies, there's almost nothing happening on screen. It is just a bunch of people sort of pacing around a room, and one of them is strapped to a bed. And it's then so when funny. any... When any actual like physical thing happens, the ghosts, I'll call them, whatever the hallucinations, yeah. point out like when she's looking at the footprint or the dog or whatever, like they point out like that footprint is there. Look at that footprint. <laughs> You're not hallucinating that. So they are still like describing the details yeah. of the room and the shit that's happening. So yeah, I mean it lends itself perfectly to being an audio book that's also a movie. It's also like a great way to cinematically represent your thought process. Right to have a conversation with yourself, so you can actually walk through that in a cinemat cinematic way, which is really fucking cool. I, which well, I think speaks to Flanagan's direction, yeah. which is the next yeah. thing I want to talk about. We mentioned it earlier, but his his fucking he's so goddamn good, and and this movie is well within that mold. He he seamlessly transitions between the present and her past in so really interesting, perfect ways. I love it. Yeah, so it's kind of funny when Mark was saying you you there's not a lot going on which i totally agree with but then there is so much going on there's like there's so much nuance and so many cool things that you can point to from the directoral choices that are made in this movie that you do lose a lot i guess if you aren't watching it yet if that were all that i had i guess is what i'm saying but yeah i mean the way that he frames this up and creates kind of this frenetic panicky sort of situation coupled with the reasoning elements that she's having these conversations with her more confident self and her husband's ghost. It's just, it's crazy how well that works. And then the, the flashbacks don't, don't really take me out at all. Usually that's sort of a thing in a situation like this, where it's super tense, I would think that it would detract a little bit because it would take away from that tension that's building and building and building, but it, it doesn't at all. It absolutely doesn't. I, yeah, I, the flashbacks don't take me out, but I would just say that they are probably the weakest part of the movie. You just don't like Elliot. Who's Elliot? I don't know. That's what he played in E.T., man. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Henry Thomas, who yeah. is also the dad from... He's yeah, he's yeah. one of he's in the stable of Mike Flanagan's boys. Uh, he, oh. he uses all his peeps here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right? I mean, she's she's in uh, Hounding of Hill House. Like, he, yeah, Carly Gugino place, yeah. is uh, Henry Thomas, who plays her dad in the flashback, is the young dad in Hounding of Hill House. Uh, the wife of her dad in the flashback, so her mom, I guess, is also one of the sisters from Hounding of Hill House. There's a lot Kate of that Kate Siegel. Stuff. That's Flanagan's wife in real life. Wife in real life. Well, there you go. Uh, one thing I wanted to say before we leave here, and we've kind of danced around it, and I honestly like didn't know where to put this one, but ultimately I think it is what the movie does right, because it's a smart choice. Um, so it is easy to think I I identify with uh Gerald more than I think you're supposed to. I I don't know. He's he's actually like a pretty interesting character. And then one extra layer on that is that the super shitty side of him that comes out. I mean, obviously that's 
inexcusably bad, but also a lot of the stuff that is portrayed about him is portrayed through uh, Jesse's understanding of him, right? Like she's creating his personality from her own experience. It's not Definitely. actually it's not actually Gerald up and walking around. It's Jesse's version of Gerald. And that nuance is something that I think you're you're absolutely right, Mark. The movie does so well because he's not like pure evil, right? He has those right. non-consensual she wants to be let go of being chained up and he's not willing to do that, which is horrible. But he's yeah, not that part's weird. That's but bad. he's not do that. evil, right? Right. I mean, aside from before it gets to that part where he like almost refuses to on to let her go and where he almost rapes her yeah yeah aside from aside from the part where he rapes his wife um (laughs) i mean the criticism of him is basically like kink shaming essentially at that point um which is which is just kind of a strange line to walk but i i kind of appreciated that he wasn't just an active villain the whole time he also like kind of reminds her of stuff and how to get out and like you know that there's water on the thing above her and all this other stuff which again is just her her creation of his personality, but still. right, he's not a this guy. Yeah, he is not a bad guy. He's not a villain. Yeah, which is so weird. He's a dramatic <laughs> foil, I guess, is what you would call yeah. him. And I yeah. th- and I think that's an interesting mindset to be in. I, I, I that's also I think why they have the Moonlight Man in there because this movie kind of needs a hard villain. Uh, Does you it? have you have Henry Thomas as well, the dad. Um, uh, yeah, he's the villain. He he's the real villain here, but like he's in the past. He's dead already. I think I don't know, but. That happened 30-something years ago. Now you need a villain in, like, the normal time. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I I think another thing, I mean, unless we have a lot more to talk about there, I want to talk about the various kinds of scares this movie presents, which are, I think, the the combination of is another Flanagan staple, right? Because you have the psychological dread and the building that's going on there. It's interspersed with some very subtle jump scares using the Moonlight Man and some really terrifying imagery there. And then he hits you with just a full-on, like, skin-peeling gore scene. De-gloving that is so, scene, yeah. Oh, God, it's so hard yeah. to watch. I can't believe you were able scene. to find that degloving logger. <laughs> that, now, look, yeah, I'll say sure. this. I'm an employment really? lawyer, and I do a lot of, like, OSHA investigation defenses. I have personally investigated a lot of de-glovings, or, like, four de-glovings, and they what? are fucking horrible. Yeah, what? people take what? off your wedding rings when you're working on, on machinery. <laughs> and my wedding ring almost cost me my own finger when I crashed that bird scooter. <laughs> so wedding rings, just a bad idea in general. Yeah, exactly. Get a tattoo like I'm going to. There you go. I Yeah, to, to expound on that a little bit, one of the things I'd written down is that this movie exceeds at making you physically uncomfortable. You have the degloving scene, which is one that is... I am almost physically incapable of watching it. Like for the yep. for the amount of time we've spent watching horror movies, not very many things anymore make me cringe. And yep. that one is still one that's like my wife literally can't watch it. She hides every time. And I yep. forced myself to watch it this time just so I could like have some commentary on it. And it was like it actually did sort of make me nauseous and sort of I almost gagged. I hate it, man. It's, it's so wild. Because I knew that uh, but, scene was coming. I was wondering how he was gonna handle it. And then like when it starts happening, I was like, oh god. And then they're gonna oh, you're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they go there. They go there, which respect. I mean, that's I guess I forgot. I don't know how I did, but that was the other thing that I'd heard something about before I watched this movie was that there was an exceptionally gory moment. Like it all leads up to that moment. Kind of like 127 hours, or if yeah. you read between a heart rock and a hard place, the Aaron Ralston thing where he cuts his arm off. Kind of like that, where you are like, there is a harrowing moment here, guys. Yep. Yeah. Prep your buttholes. It's a slick uh, as oil. This one's worse. Jake. This one's worse. 
Oh my god, yeah, they show so much more. Yeah. Um, well, and it's not crushed and like the, the appendage itself is still alive. So it's, yeah, not... exactly. That one has a certain level of detachment to it. This is full on. Well, and then yeah. they show you the full flap that she has to run around with for a few <laughs> minutes afterwards. And it's like, oh. pick yeah. Up the, yeah. Pick up the phone and stuff with it. Oh. Um, so, so that scene in and of itself is very uncomfortable, obviously, but yeah. it also just like, they do a really good job of making it seem at making you, the viewer seem as uncomfortable as Carla Gugino is the person in the film with the scenes where she's waking up and her hands have been like suspended overnight. So they're completely like on, you know, they're completely asleep and you have to get the circulation back. The one that really did it for me was when she goes to drink out of the glass of water and it like comes to just like two inches from her face and it kind of like, <laughs> you know, it hits the chain Some right there. And, she's like, ah. yeah. and you're like, Oh my God, it's so close. <laughs> yeah. Yep. God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, uh, dude, this this movie's so much fun. <laughs> oh my this god, this so is much fun! One of the least fun movies I've ever seen in my whole life. I, yeah, That's fun a, is a very loose term there. This isn't. It's, an, it's a bad term. It's a bad take. Retake. <laughs> it's super. I enjoy watching this movie. I don't know why, but it's it's enrapturing. Yeah. I, okay. Sure. It's there's that. a certain level of like horror nerd stuff too that I don't. I you can't get away from with the Flanagan stuff and his people and it, like. Them applying themselves to this story is something to behold. Yeah. I wish Flanagan had made in the tall grass. (laughs) Oh, my Uh, God. Sure, yeah. Let's start a petition. Uh, you could say that with any movie, though, almost yeah! at this point. Yeah, yeah that's true. I wish, I, w- I wish Flanagan made every movie. That's what I want. Him <laughs> and Zack Snyder. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have anything else the movie does hard right? We can go middle. All right. go middle? Yeah, let's, let's talk middle. middle. Mark, what do you okay. got for middle? Uh, well, so I mentioned that the flashbacks are the weakest part of the movie. I had it here and does middle. I, it is necessary uh, to establish like the trauma from her childhood and stuff. I think the one thing that I disliked the most is one of the just the it's the general stylistic choice they made with the flashbacks, which is just the deep red of the eclipse that they shoot sure. everything in. Yeah. After a while. I, I remember it hitting me a little weird when I first watched it, and then when it first came up this time on the second viewing, it just seemed like too much. It seemed yeah. strange. I, I I don't think it was necessary, and it just sort of, in a way, I found it distracting. I I had a note about this, too, in middle, so mine was like slightly different, but I think it might be hitting at a very similar thing. I didn't notice it at all during the first viewing. During this one, I started to think, like, maybe I'm just missing something, but does there need to be an eclipse here? Yes, that what was my other note. That's, what does the eclipse offer? That's more of a nitpick with like the book. <laughs> I, I assume exactly. there's an eclipse in the book. No, like the, like I'm saying, it follows it's the, the plot thing, of the book, right? like point yeah. for point. Yeah, so, they would have left out the eclipse. Like I think it's fucking cool, and then it obviously contributes to what you get from the Moonlight Man, but it feels overboard this time to me, and just a little bit like re- it has no reason. I don't know. Do you think, actually, is that basically what Stephen King's going for here? So you have the actual villain, which is her dad, who happens during an eclipse where the moon is blocking the sun, and then the other villain of the book is the Moonlight Man, who is awash in moonlight. So it's sort of like a there's the, the moon symbolism between the symbology between the two. 
symbolism. What's between the, the symbology two. there? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, problem with that well, quote is it screwed me up, and now I can't remember which one's which. <laughs> I know it's horrible. Well, it, but, it, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because he's not called the Moonlight Man in the book. He's and there's a very specific oh. reason that he's called the Moonlight Man in the movie. He's called the Space Cowboy in the book because of the Steve Miller song. And okay. I assume they just didn't want to pay for the rights to the Steve Miller Band song, which you, you, you would have to do in the movie. Is um, the song used in the book in a way? Like, is I mean, it they in- use lyrics from the song. Yeah, absolutely. And okay. they talk about it a lot. That's why he's the space cowboy. They do. Why like, would they not call him the gangster of love? I, I mark that. Y'all take that up with Stephen King himself. Uh, I'll write a letter. <laughs> write him a letter, Mark. <laughs> Tweet at him. He tweets back to a lot of people. Uh, but, um, so it's. I don't think the lunar imagery is as strong, certainly, and it's a solar eclipse. Um, but right, so which I, is I, created by the moon, though. I, I understand. You're looking the, at the, the moon. The lunar imagery is a lot less prevalent in the book, at least as far as I remember, than it is in the movie. It and hits, gotcha. it hits but, so hard visually that... I don't know. The more you think about it, the more overdone it feels. It's just such a prominent visual thing because it ends up like entire sequences of the movie are in this hue. It's just washed with this eclipse. At the end of the movie, there's like the symbology too. She's walking down the street away from you and you see the very tail end of like this, the moon exiting the side of the sun. Like there's an eclipse ending and she's entering a new day or something. So it's baked into the thing. And overall, I it's cool, but I didn't need it. So middle. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, I put something in the flashback and does middle. The only thing I had was that predatory scene where he's, like, grooming her, right, for the predatory behavior of, like, look forward, and then that whole conversation on the bed, which is horrifying and did film wildly effectively and did make me feel crazy uncomfortable. But, like, after watching it, I don't know that I needed to experience that. That's not the fun kind of horror I like. That's not the kind of scares I want. No, I don't want that one. Mark, this movie was fun. Um, (laughs) If I'm Henry Thomas, I don't know how I can do this. Oh, my God. Just saying those words. He kills it, but fuck, man. You're on set with this girl. Like, what the hell? And it's written so just grossly, too, of, like, the making her think it's her idea. Oh, God. So it I put is that middle. hard manipulation, like, disgusting, predatory behavior. Yeah, it's executed perfectly, but I don't yeah. want to watch it. God, I hate it. He does it so well that when I see him, I kind of view him in this light now. I will never not think of him, like, doing saying those words. Sucks. That sucks. Yeah. Fuck, it's middle. He does uh, such go, a good go, job. Go back he and watch Honey Hill House. Predator. He does a good job in that one, too, and he's significantly more of a good it guy. It took me, like, two episodes, dude. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard to be significantly more of a good guy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that, that one's also more fun, you know? Building <laughs> off a base of zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, building off a base of as bad as is possible. So that's the only thing I had does middle. Uh, do we have anything else? Should we move into what it does wrong, which I think will also be a pretty short segment. I can do I can do a quick middle. Uh, the soundtrack, or lack okay. thereof. I love how this movie's. I love how the movie's silent. I love it, but it is bookended by music. And I think in general, this is more just me not liking almost anything about that point after she crashes the car and is out, and you can surmise that she's rescued and we'll be fine. Need to take a breath. Uh, I I don't need it, and it's handled differently, and there's music, and it just it really jarred me. You, so. And you wish they'd put the Joker throughout the entirety of it. 
Well, yeah. no, it should have been Walking on Sunshine, you know? That would have been the perfect <laughs> move. That would have been the perfect song to underscore the themes of it, this movie. By the when? <laughs> it would have it would have fit the fun timbre that Mark was talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want them yeah. to recut this movie with Walking on Sunshine just scattered throughout. Well, Jake, that that's interesting because it kind of transitions nicely into what I think the movie does wrong, which is that whole ending. Mm-hmm. I don't love the way that's handled, and the music is no. certainly a part of it. It's such a wild shift in tone of just like you've been watching this expertly crafted, perfectly edited, suspense, wild, crazy thing, and there's just like, and now someone's going to talk at you for a while. I didn't like the way it ended. I wonder. I wonder whose whose pen that was. <laughs> just just some pen, maybe. It was a pick. No, who's not what? If it's a big, fu- you should be using Pilot G two or nothing. Okay, a. Okay, I don't know, think- Mr. Moneybags over here having Pilot G twos just falling out of his pockets. I also don't think Bic makes like a wooden encased nice pen in a whatever. I know pens. What? Shut up. I know pens Pilot- too. Pilot G two is still better. <laughs> yes, everybody knows Pilot G twos are the best pen, Jake. What are the black ones with the little tiny felt tip? I use those. Those are Sharpies. No, idiot. The, <laughs> I mean, no. they are also Sharpies. Not Sharpies. Finer point. Yeah, fine point Sharpie. No. God damn it. I'm going to send you a picture of them. What does this movie do wrong? Uh, the ending. <laughs> well, I don't like the ending. Yes, and I other than the ending. I especially don't like the inclusion of the serial killer at the ending. It kind of ruins the rest of the movie for me. It doesn't ruin it, but it really... It definitely doesn't ruin it. It's just like, I don't need this to exist. Just end the, on your second viewing, end it seven minutes earlier than you would have this time. Yes. Yep. And I mean, I think it's it's in there because he was a slave to the page is, uh, sure. is Mike Flanagan, but it certainly didn't need to be in there. Okay. I'll be the dissenting vote on this one. I already said that I love the ending. I am really appreciative of the fact that it exists. But yeah, to that end, you can just pause it at 90 minutes and call it good, and that's fine. If that's the package you want, then go for yeah, it. Yeah, you'll walk away with a different... It feels different to walk away with it, having the ending had happened. That was another garbage sentence, but you get it. And, and I do think, I mean, King put that ending in there because he wanted to tie this book into a few of his other books and get some of his recurring characters into the other, but blah, 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 blah. Uh, what Money. else does it do wrong? What else does it do wrong? Uh, this movie, more than most, requires a substantial amount of disbelief. <laughs> a, 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 oh, my God. My, I broke oh, my brain. Sh- suspension. <laughs> Mark, I a genuinely thought substantial- the like, Skype call glitched out there. <laughs> no, that was me legitimately just forgetting His how to say His brain glitched words. out. This, re- this movie requires a substantial amount of suspension of disbelief. There we go. Oh. I got you did it. Time. Fifth time's a charm, buddy. Substantial and suspension are two words that are hard to say together. Substantial suspension of disbelief. Uh, In what way? Yeah. You're going to get to the bed. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's most... Yes. Getting to the bed is one of the things that we argued about the most when we originally watched this movie, whether or not she could just break the pole or the bedpost. Uh, There's a line in there. They're reinforced, yeah. And some of them do have metal rods on the inside. And in the book, she does break it away enough to reveal a metal rod on the inside. I feel like the handcuffs... So there are metal rods, but there's wood around the metal rods, and I feel like the handcuffs could break the wood, and then you could slide it. I mean, maybe you... I I don't know. I don't know how strong... I don't know. I don't know if I could. It's just a question. And the other thing that I I I, tried today, I was like, why can't you just move the bed? put on some handcuffs? You, why can't you just move the bed and like get your foot on the floor and then like rock that shit onto its side so you can at least move towards a phone or something? And I laid down on my bed and I was like, I can't get my feet to the floor. I'm yeah. not s- six foot five, but I like I'm not short and I couldn't get my feet to the floor. I'm so, six foot four and I could not. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's be- it's surprisingly better than my first take led me to believe, but I still think that there are certain elements to it that you're like, mm, maybe this should have been, this could have been, should have, could have. Yeah, uh, the other one that always gets to me is like, she probably could just stand up, and that would make accessing the shelf behind her significantly easier than doing all this shit with her, okay. you know, her hands and her feet and stuff. Mark, but. this is at least on the line. Blow the whistle for me. We gotta blow the whistle. We gotta blow the whistle. Already, huh? This is a nice house. That shelf definitely had set screws in it. It doesn't just lift off the fucking supports. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you find a lot of really cheap shit in expensive houses sometimes. But you definitely have set screws in there. Okay. Yes. You, sh- you should have set screws in there. I mean, you probably should. That's, that's the other thing is, yeah, when she initially lifts that thing, like that whole scene... Super suspenseful, obviously, because the stakes are high, but probably not how that would go. Like, I don't think, I don't know, maybe it can. The gla- I, 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 that's another one that requires a little bit of suspension of disbelief, where the glass is, like, just sliding down and then stops, and then it's, like, tilting over the edge, and then it's fine, and then she's able to grab it. I'm totally with you there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but that was, and then, I mean, along those lines, she doesn't need to be writing with her right hand when her left hand is so fucking dexterous. It can, like, one-handedly roll a straw out of a hard uh, tag. Yeah, I would be... I, I'm curious what this tag is on, on how well that straw would work. I did it. I tried to do it with a piece of paper with uh, a note card and with some, like, letter stock that I had lying around with my off hand. And maybe Carla Gugino's just better at rolling straws than I am, but I could not drink water out of any of the three straws that I tried to make. Yeah, but you aren't on death's door, you know? She's That's got that, true. She's got that survival instinct. That's true. But yep. I also cheated and used my dominant hand sometimes, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't care how romantic you're trying to be, uh, you're trying to be but uh, I, I am not giving that dog Kobe beef. <laughs> we mentioned this earlier. There's no goddamn way un- under any circumstance I'm leaving a plate of that steak out on my driveway for a dry-aged Kobe beef ribeye from Kobe. <laughs> god yeah. damn it yeah. I, I, but bad, also bad job that's another flanagan thing though too like he takes the care to show that it's dry aged right it has the oxidation around the edges and the pinkness in the middle like he shows that the steak is actually dry aged too it's amazing i mean maybe he just went out and bought himself a nice ass steak and then said it was like he expensed it to the <laughs> to the movie and then he just used it in one <laughs> scene and they went home and ate it I guarantee they ate that steak. They didn't let that shit go to waste, dude. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's fucking great. I mean, in grand scheme, like this, th- that is, you can afford that for a movie like this. You can afford some Kobe steak. I know that Gerald says velvet and silk both break, so we have to go straight to the handcuffs. But you can at least try the velvet and the silk first. And I will say, uh, I've broken a few velvet straps. Silk is sturdier Jesus than you think. Christ. Like I don't want to get too far into that, but silk. Is I don't want you to get anywhere. Than that. You I want to get think. way further into this. <laughs> silk straps are. You could be just as tied up with silk straps. Uh, you can also just not get like military grade handcuffs. Like there are handcuffs you can get that are fine. Uh, no. Okay, well, here's another problem. A lot of the handcuffs they sell at sex shops break when you're just, like, doing there, and that's no fun. You break out of it, and it's like, what the fuck's the point of that? I don't like Jesus it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it like, slices your hand open. You're like, damn it. No, but they just, they don't hold anything. They break. So, yeah. I'm saying, look, you can't rely on the sex store handcuffs. Maybe I, you do have to go to eBay. Handcuffs are a cooler prop. There. Do you have a, do you have a brand you would like to recommend, Jack? 
Uh, <laughs> let's save that for the podcast. A to Z horror <laughs> after dark. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> this will be a two-man podcast. But hey, also like Gerald, if your wife is not, you can't jump from nothing into. I want to handcuff you immovably to this bed. Even if velvet and silk are going to break, which silk isn't, uh, try that out first. Yeah, I mean, you're you're also you got to work up to it a little bit, right? Exactly. Like, I get that this is this is this is the weekend in the in the country that's you're going to try some new shit or whatever, and you both had a good time the last time you made it a little bit of rough, but like, don't go zero to sixty, you know? <laughs> don't jump straight He's- to the Zentai suit. He's an all-or-nothing sort of man, Mark. (laughs) He's like, honey, I bought a vac bed for next weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still a little confused why they left the door open. Because she she turns around and looks directly at it. Like, why would you not just shut the fucking door? Especially when you know you're going to go back into the into the bedroom for some coitus. That that shot was clearly just to let the you, the viewer, know that the door is open, but there's no reason for them to keep it open. Exactly, yeah. Just so the dog can be there, I guess, but Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, that dog's not starving. Uh no, that's a healthy dog. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean good. I don't want them to like find or starve a dog. No. But... No, I'm just clarifying. The dog's yeah, not starving. You don't want, all you the don't more want reason acting out of dogs. Yeah. All the more reason to not give him some Kobe beef. Definitely don't give him the Kobe beef. God damn it. <laughs> he didn't have to do the oral. <laughs> uh, the Moonlight Man, obviously super incredibly creepy, but one thing I couldn't really get past, when they add the lighting effects to his eyes, he looks like the moon from Majora's Mask. He kind of does, yeah. Yeah, and once I saw it, I couldn't not see it. it <laughs> I had the same thought. Did a pro- it was a problem for me. I kind of like that. The moon in Majora's Mask is creepy, man. It's fine. Yeah, it is. Both things are creepy, but then it just becomes like a cartoon video game. But yeah, it's very specific. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's It's all good. Um, so they clearly have the newest model of iPhone. He's a very successful, rich lawyer and it's 2017 iPhones had Siri voice activated Siri at that point. She didn't even try to say, Hey Siri, which I'm sure I've turned a lot of listeners devices on. Hey Siri, buy pistachios. Oh, fuck (laughs) you, man. Rude. This is rude. (laughs) I mean, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, when was the book written? I assume this was... 1992. Pre- Do we know this is set in 2017? It's or an 19? iPhone. It's a brand it's new iPhone. iPhone. I mean, no. Maybe it... Maybe it, But that's all the, like, they need... Yeah, they need a, a they need a line in there to slake my thirst yeah. for that, closing that loop. Yeah, that's like an <laughs> iPhone 6. It's, it's they, very present day. They walk in, they're like, man, what a great day it is. If only my phone July had voice 4th, activation. Yeah. <laughs> July 4th, 2015. That's today. Yes, let's go have some sex. <laughs> Look, I'm not Mike Flanagan. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are clearly not writers. <laughs> she should have tried, but I have an iPhone, and if I say, hey, Siri, nothing happens. So, should have tried. You got to you know. be nicer to it. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. <laughs> You're also going through headphones right now. Hey Siri, order order pistachios. Man, if somebody is playing, like I, we have heard from <laughs> listeners who play this like on their speakers while they're washing dishes or something. They have they're just having a hell of a time with this. They've unsubscribed, <laughs> fairly, fairly. Okay, Google, play Disturbed. <laughs> Let's see. I talked about the set screws in that shelf. That shelf either would or should have. Oh set God, screws. it's doing it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mark's Mark's fucked himself here. You you zinged yourself. God damn it! Give him the scarecrow. <laughs> hey, I have a problem with the nursery rhyme "Hush, little baby" or "Mockingbird" or whatever the fuck you want to call it. That thing makes no goddamn sense. If your diamond ring turns to brass, your diamond ring isn't going to turn to brass. Your dad bought you a bum ass ring. That's probably the whole origin. It's not diamond. And then, like, he's Is it brass or glass? Brass. Uh, and yeah, then. I'd be upset if a diamond turned to brass, too. And he's doing it all wrong, right? He ends with the puppy. Kids don't want a diamond ring. A kid wants a puppy. Start with the puppy. Buys her a why fucking. Can, why do I not recall what you're talking about? When, when do they talk? When do they get into this in the movie? They say, they say the entire. They say the first half of "Hush, little baby, don't say a word." When? When she and her dad are going back and forth. Gerald is like flipping places with her dad, and she's fully losing her mind. And they're reciting the lyrics to "Hush, little baby." Hmm. Okay. Uh, they should have been reciting the lyrics to Eminem's "Mockingbird." Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, shove it down I, that I jeweler's ass. Don't fuck with that. <laughs> I have a nitpick with how the ending scene goes in the courtroom, Jack. I don't know if you want to. That's not how the work. I got a lot of A to Z legal court. <laughs> That's not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. How would that go in real life? Okay, and I've actually been in courtrooms that had emergency marshals because the defendant, like, freaked all the way the fuck out, and while the defendant did not break his handcuffs, uh, wouldn't have mattered, because it's not like we're gonna hold on to his arms long enough for a woman to walk up to him and speak with him. It's tasers and tackling and guns drawn and chaos, and you cannot walk up at that point whatsoever. Also, you don't get to walk into a courtroom and say, yeah, hey, yeah. fuck you. What is she doing? You do- yeah. The judge will not allow you to move pa- yeah. past the pulpit in any way, shape, or form. It's going to be, hey, and they're just going to go, if you say one more word, you're in contempt and out of here in handcuffs. Yeah. Also, can you just enter a courtroom like mid-proceeding like that? Yes, most courtrooms are open to the public like that, um, especially oh, okay. like high-profile sentencings. That one might have been closed to be- except for members of the media, but we don't exactly know what state it happened in, so it's unclear. Uh, but it's you in Louisiana, can't I thought. Just yeah, it seemed and- like it was in Louisiana. Okay, you. I don't know. I don't know whatever weird laws their parishes who give, have. Who gives a shit? I'm sure they have weird shit, in Louisiana, dude. But anyway, you typically can't just enter. But that's why you cannot speak, and if you do, the judge will put you in jail. Nitpick. Yep. Agreed. All of us had that one. <laughs> Wasn't good. Uh, also, while we're on uh, legal A to Z horror legal corner mis- uh, A to Z horror legal corner nitpicks, death by mischief is not a thing in the United States. That's a misadventure. That's a de- yeah. Death by misadventure or mischief, either one is not okay. an American term. That is a British term. Again, maybe in Louisiana, but uh, definitely not like in the majority of states. And I couldn't. Go- I googled it. I couldn't find it anywhere here. Interesting. Well, so what would they call it? Uh, either death, death by, by hijinks. <laughs> yes, death by hijinks is the official. <laughs> death by term. skylarking. Yeah, per- perfect. Yep. Tomfoolery. Okay. Death by tomfoolery. So they just used the wrong word there. That's what you're saying. No, it would be it would be a non-homicide death. Oh. Natural causes. Yes. Well, <laughs> no. Natural causes. It Could was highly natural. I guess. Oh my god. Do we have anything else? Fuck, I got a couple. Okay, then do it. Why did you what, ask? That's how that works. More. This is a the, conversational the head, the format. You yeah, just throw no, them man. Out. I'm just like waiting for you guys, assholes. The headboard is the Oculus mirror. That's neat. 
That is yeah, the, the bottom half that. of the Lasser glass. Yeah, if you super read cool. the if you read the trivia for this movie, it's like every other bullet point is a Mike Flanagan trivia piece, and then every other bullet point is a Stephen King trivia. Oh, he he like, throws like a lot of shit in there, a lot of like yeah. Easter eggs and stuff. That's cool. Yep. The other one that's sort of a neat, it's more of just a pick, is that they have more medical aid in that vacation home than I have in my home, than they, I've ever had in my home. They have a have lot of like it. That. But while we're on that medicine tip, when she's talking to What are you to talking her, about? She wraps her, wait, what? What are you talking about? She wraps her hand in maxi pads. No. Oh, those are tampons? I thought those were just like I, huge. Okay. I thought that well, was a roll of gauze. No, it's, those are, it's, no, it's two, two separate. Two okay. pads and puts them on there. You do okay. understand cool. also that a maxi pad and a tampon are two different things, right? Jake? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but when she's talking to herself about like how the whole degloving is going to go, she says, unlike other checkpoints of the body, the wrists have fewer nerves. What the fuck are the other checkpoints of the body? What does that mean? Uh, you got you got your knees. It's anywhere that a cop is going to set up a, a checkpoint. To, to... <laughs> it's Jack, it's head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Those are the ones? So, but yeah. she says the wrists, too. Where's the wrists in there, Smart? Uh, yeah, the, it's not the, included. It's, it's also, a misnomer. It's, it's a misnomer. also the wrist bone is connected to the elbow. Is connected <laughs> to the shoulder bone, right? So it's all those bones. And then another nitpick with the very next scene after she develops the plan, then she's executing the plan. You still have like half a glass of water. You could at least finish the water before you start this whole thing. It's going to take like a second. Just drink the rest of the yeah. water. <laughs> yeah, she pours it out. Like you probably could have used that. Just You're drink very it. Oh God, just drink it. That's all. That's all I have. I'm upset now. It did seem very aggressive to just pour out half a glass of water. It's so in a movie deliberate. About, it's yeah. so deliberate. She dumps it upside down. Jake, you were bursting at the seams with nitpicks earlier. No, nope, that more? was the two. Those are the you two. had one. You had. <laughs> you no, had I had two. Glass? I had two. It was the medical things, but oh, gauze, gotcha. gauze and a maxi pad are fairly close. So whatever. One of his nitpicks was from the movie, and one of his nitpicks was with himself for not understanding the difference between maxi pads and tampons. <laughs> whatever, dude. Mark didn't remember the name of the guy in the movie. Everyone's brain stops every once in a while. <laughs> I know the difference is one gets like up in there and the other doesn't. I know what it is. <laughs> go away. Let's go to ratings. <laughs> yeah, we got to go to ratings. <laughs> we overdated Z Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of a foghorn leghorn would rate the Chicken Hawk's intelligence. That kid's about as sharp as a pound of wet liver. And for 10, think of a Bob who would write how much his wife likes Neil Diamond. There are two types of people in this world. Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. My ex-wife loves him. Stories first, getting to treat these movies. Uh, Jake, this was your pick. Rate the thing for story. I gave it an 8. I liked it. It's simple. It's very simple, which I appreciate. Uh, the the docking is the fact that the end exists. Really, I didn't I didn't need it. There's the one little morsel that I can take from it, which I think is eerie and interesting. But I whole on didn't need it. Yep, Mark, how about you? I gave it a nine. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I like the ending more than you guys did, so I guess I'm a point higher there. Um, I think that this movie can be bagged on because of its unbelievable elements of just like the sheer absurdity of the situation she finds herself in. But I, if you can get past that and suspend your disbelief, like I was totally in on this thing. And then just the way that they're able to shoot that back and forth dialogue to expo- ex- exposit, I guess, all of the backstory and thought process and stuff. I'm getting more into my immersion rating now, but I don't start immersion, immersion rating. <laughs> well, look, everybody's brain stops sometimes, you know, a wise man <laughs> once said that. Exactly. 
I, I do think that the two are entwined here, though. The, this movie is immersive because of its story, and the movie has good story because of its immersion. Like, the way that the story is told to you improves the story in and of itself. Anyways, I'm rambling now. I gave it a nine. Mark, it's an objectively perfect rating system. I won't have you denigrated any further. Uh, I give it an eight. Look, this is a, a cool story to begin with in its simplicity, Jake, like you said. Then I'm putting the points in here for Flanagan's adaptations to film and the way he, like intertwined the past and the present I think is a huge step up from the original story so it's it's fantastic it is losing points for the wholly unnecessary ending to me and uh, that's where we're at I world building it. what I liked it <laughs> world building universe a second category Jake it's surprising how immersive this is considering what the conceit is because if you were to just give like the two second or two sentence rather synopsis of what this movie was. I don't think I would find it particularly. I don't think it would sound that interesting to me. But I was glued to the screen almost the whole time. the The only part that took me out is the end. And honestly, if you're gonna do that, like, it it'd be better then than at the start, right? Because you'd lose me for the whole runtime of the movie rather than the last two minutes or whatever. Um, that being said, uh, the suspension of disbelief thing is real. Like this this scenario that you that it presents you with, not even ten minutes into the movie is weird and it does lend itself to some people questioning some things uh, that i gave it an eight and a half like it's a high score but there are reasons why i think that it, it's not quite perfect though it impacted me a lot yeah mark what about you i gave it an eight and i don't have too much to add there especially since i already talked about my immersion rating <laughs> <in this> story <laughs> category uh this is an incredibly enthralling movie it's not fun that was the incorrect word but it is super engaging in a way that I is is hard to describe in my own brain because typically I align more with like the really fun stuff that I want to sit down and just have a good time watching this isn't a good time to watch but I could I, I could watch this thing like ad infinitum and it's just like captivating with how much chemistry Bruce Greenwood and Carl Gugino have on on mm -hmm. film and all the other shit that they roll in here so yeah I give it an eight I have nothing to add uh, it's fantastic uh, it's gonna take us into scare factor Jake I gave this a six and a half I felt like it easily – I would understand a higher rating, but there's a certain part of this that when I take a step back, uh, I feel distant enough from what I'm seeing that it doesn't jump into the upper tier for me. Okay. I kind of think I get what you're saying. Mark, how about you? I went a little bit higher, but not substantially, so I gave it a 7. Uh, the one thing I want to say here that we haven't even mentioned yet, the scene where she wakes up from the dream and she looks down and you see the moonlight man licking her foot is legitimately like, I, that's the most scared. Like that, that's the most, the biggest scare response I've had to a movie that I've seen probably in years. That is an all time great jump scare. I completely forgot that happened. And yeah, what a yeah, fucking so awesome jump scare. It's like, yeah. Oh no. Um, so, that's yeah, point. that's in there, I, and I like that a lot. Yeah, I remember much more the first time that he appears where it's so hard you can just barely see something and it lingers. But, yeah, the jump scare, I, I yes, totally agree. Yeah, and definitely also the shot when he's at the end of the hallway when she's degloved herself and is escaping yeah. and she want, runs past him or whatever. But you have that super long, like, Flanagan, the typical Flanagan shot of, like, super long hallway with the obscured figure at the end, and you can just barely make out this hulking figure of the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good shot. Yeah, I gave it a seven as well. I don't have a lot to add here. I will say that for me, a lot of the high scare was based on the variety of different scares and existential dread that it has. So I think it's awesome in that regard. Can take us into effects or judicious lack thereof. Jake. Uh, I gave it an eight. 
There, there's not a ton here, but that fucking degloving scene is impossible to watch. Correct. I, I think that they also like. There's not a lot to say from an audio perspective. Like, there's not. I think that the only time that they do use music or soundtrack in any way, it, it doesn't really do anything for me. I particularly like the silence, so I think that that's a nice lack thereof. But it's not. It's you know, it's not right at the top. Sure, Mark. Uh, I also went with a seven. You gave it a seven, right, Jake, or did you give it an eight? I gave it an eight. Okay, well, I went a little bit lower. I gave it a seven. Um, the only other things that I would point out here, the degloving scene is super hard to watch, but I, like I said, I did sort of make myself watch it this time, and I don't want to go back and check, but it does seem like there was some kind of crummy CG in there. Um, I wasn't looking closely, and I'll admit it was obscured by my fingers that I was looking through. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks pretty good, dude. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, if you're like, whatever, we're nitpicking at this point. The other one that I just don't particularly care for is just the red saturation during sure. the eclipse. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's you know, that's an effects choice there too. So, yeah, whatever. it's still pretty good. I mean, it's it's a great looking movie. Yeah, I give it an eight. Mark, to me, that one feels like an artistic choice. It's not like an effects thing that they failed on. It's just like an artistic choice that didn't resonate with you. Um, but uh, I, I, look, it's it's not perfect but this is also a fantastic judicious lack thereof movie i think there's also we haven't talked about yet like her slow degradation into dehydrated and bags under her eyes and just kind of like pale and losing it coupled with the healthy ghost version of her there the whole time is really really fucking cool um i yeah. think all that's all that's really great so i'm giving it an eight it's not perfect but it's way up there it's gonna get said overall jake i gave it an eight overall this movie is better than it feels like it's better than it has any right to be to me. Yep. Again, it's like, you tell me what this is about. I'm like, okay. like, uh. But I watched this thing, and as Mark said with one of these last categories, I could continue to pop this on. I don't know why. It's such a weird thing. A lot of that is Stephen King, and I, a lot of that is Flanagan. So, I mean, it's, a lot, it's everyone involved. It's just a perfect storm. It's a great movie. Watch it. Absolutely, Mark. I went a little bit higher, eight and a half. Yeah, this is a stupendous movie. What a fun ride. Um, I mean, it's not fun, but it is one of those ones that is super engaging and that you can go back to. Yeah. I I think the magic here stems from there's there's something super engaging about just watching the the dialogue back and forth. Like it's yeah. not it's not Tarantino, but they're shooting it in a way that it's like you're sort of like trying to do some sleuthing stuff. You kind of got like a little bit of that Sherlock Holmes vibe in there of like she's trying to pick up on clues and these like subtle hints and stuff that the, the her subconscious is telling her. Like I don't know, I it's it's very intriguing as a movie. I give it an eight. I completely agree. This movie is fan fucking tastic. It's I was not expecting it to be this good, even though you guys rated it super highly. I didn't love the book. I like a lot of Stephen King stuff. It's one of his weaker books, I think, but it's. Man, this is a great fucking movie. Uh, just all around really, really great. Let's, uh, I mean, it's a thumbs up for me. Let's do that segment. Thumbs up. Watch this. 100%. Yep. Thumbs and up. No question. even for, like, non-horror fans, there's enough for them to get involved in, and they can hide their face for the 45 seconds of degloving that happened. Yeah, actually, sure. that's something I kind of wanted to mention. This isn't, this is a, this is like a Me Too movie, like like a personal drama sort of existential identity crisis type movie that's masked in a horror shell. Like, the, it, to say this isn't a horror movie would be incorrect, but, like, the horror elements of this are completely unnecessary to the actual journey that Jesse goes through. Yeah, I heard Journey's pretty horrifying. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a serial killer, and he's a, a real serial killer that you find out at the end. And he's just been sitting there not pissing off the dog for days somehow. <laughs> They're homies. Uh, but maybe it's his dog. Until the end when it growls and barks at him. It has a healthy, it keeps a distance, man. A yeah. healthy respect for this gentleman. Maybe that's why it's so well fed. It's just following him around and he, whatever it goes after, whatever. Honestly, he's doing. maybe. Yeah. Smart fan dog. theory. Anyway, uh, that was, that was sort of what the point I was trying to get at was this is the horror. This is one of those movies where the horror element is not 100% important to the actual, like fundamental concept of the movie. It's just sprinkled on top for flavor. Yep. Agreed. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. Should we get the fuck out of here? Yes, we should. This has been episode 177 of the A to Z Whorecast. Check out everything we have going on. Head on over to A to Z Whore.com or come hang out with us on any of our social media channels. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those links are right down there in the description below. As Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, if you're still here hanging out with us, thank you for joining us for the full ride that was Gerald's game. Uh, Right now, focus on staying healthy. Focus on, if you can and you have the means, helping those that do need assistance right now. The world's a freaking shit show, so do what you can where you can, and and most importantly, keep healthy, everybody. Next week, we're going to be coming right back at you with a movie that's been a long time coming. It's one that we've talked about before as a group but it has not had its proper it hasn't had the full treatment on the podcast next week (laughs) it's lake mungo it's about time and until then get your buddies grab some beers and go watch some horror movies virtually digitally have a great week i know pens shut up i know pens too